Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or whatever time it is for you right now, and welcome to From Bob's Office. Today is Tuesday, April 14th, roughly 11.45 a.m., and we are again coming to you via the wonderful technology of Zoom. My name is Jacob Bomber. And I'm Jake Mathis. Joining us today is an incredible athlete and man of God. He's a Los Altos alumni as well as a Los Alamitos High School alumni. He's a starting pitcher for LMU, a Division I baseball team where he has put together an impressive resume. I truly believe one day we'll see this man in the big leagues. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Hag. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great, that was the greatest introduction I've ever had. I actually <laughs> was supposed to have one more sentence, but I forgot about it until literally saying it, where I was going to be like, I've literally known this guy for like 90% of my life. <laughs> yeah, but thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Of course. So, so what's what would the weekend look like for you, Jake? Still in quarantine um, stuff with a uh, holiday weekend? Yeah, this weekend was Easter Sunday, which and Good Friday kind of. Well, not kind of, it was. <laughs> but yeah, so it was pretty much like some of the biggest – uh, days of our religion and so it was pretty unique because normally I would be like super excited and like happy and stuff but like this year I was kind of down more because I didn't have my sister with us we didn't have like a big family thing we just kind of just did it to ourselves so it was kind of different and sad so I wanted to be at church and stuff like that but we weren't but you know it's just kind of how life is right now which sucks but it's good at the same time because hopefully we're all healthy um, but yeah, that was pretty much the majority of the weekend was, um, eating a lot of food. Um, I ate ham for the first time in like three months, four months since I did the ham challenge and I was very afraid of eating ham, but it went down and then I went back for like thirds. So I had like more ham than I should have probably. It was good. Good job. We were, we were concerned about whether your reintroduction to ham was going to go well. Oh, so. 100%. <laughs> You, you made it. Way to go. Luckily, it was a honey-baked ham, so it was a sweeter one. But if it was a salty one, I probably would not have done well. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this ham challenge that went down. Oh. <laughs> as, as Jake buries his face in his hands. Everything I, I made a bet at La Salle when I, we were at FCA. I made a bet to one of our friends that I can eat a five-pound ham. In, like, one sitting? Yeah. yeah. Did you do it? I ate two and a half pounds, <laughs> which is still a lot. And, of people. and yeah. he was struggling. <laughs> yes, it's he had two an and a half pounds of ham. He had an hour, and so there were four of us sitting there, and Jake's just eating the ham and going, and the rest of us are just having a conversation. And by the end of it, by the thirty-minute mark, Jake was in a world of hurt, and so he consumed much more the first 30 minutes than the last 30 minutes. And it was pretty entertaining to watch live. We recorded it, put it up as a podcast. Probably wasn't that entertaining to listen to. <laughs> but it was pretty entertaining to watch. I bet. I got like $40 from it though, which was nice. Nice. The bet was $100 that if he uh, could do the entire ham in an hour, he would get 100 bucks. So he actually shouldn't have received any money, yeah. but... No, no, no. The, the sponsor, Jacob, he amended his agreement beforehand and told him he would give him money based on. But the original like, bet, bad. 
But the original bet was Jacob said, I will give you a hundred dollars if you could eat an entire ham. So it took me about three minutes to contemplate it, but I was like, do I do it? Do I not? And then I'm instantly like, I'll just do it. And so I shook my hand, shook hands with him. And then when we got to it, I'm like, I'm an idiot. This is stupid. I'm going <laughs> to die. He, he had a lot of, a lot of critics, a lot of naysayers who didn't believe in him. And a hundred percent, everyone was against it. <laughs> <laughs> no one thought I could actually do it. <laughs> and he, he proved them right. <laughs> I didn't eat half of it though. You did. Like, and then the three of us split the rest of it, and we couldn't even just like splitting the other two plus pounds between the three of us was a struggle. Like, we couldn't do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jake really took one for the team there. <laughs> Good job, Jake. Yeah. We're supposed to we're supposed to have another challenge soon. My friend Brandon wanted to do like a five pound shrimp challenge. Mm. So each of us would eat five pounds of shrimp and record it. So that would be a lot of shrimp. We'll see what happens. I could probably do that. Yeah, okay. Shrimp are small, not dense like ham. It's not about how many there are. It's about how much it weighs. (laughs) Yes. It's like what weighs more, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? They both weigh a ton. It's the same thing. That's a lot of feathers. You're right. Jacob, how was your weekend? Uh, It was good. Um, I... On the recommendation of two high school students, I started All American on Netflix, and that has proven to be a aggravating mistake that I can't turn off because it's like, all right, I made it this far because there's two seasons on Netflix, and they're each 16 episodes. It is a bad, it is a bad strategy to have hour-long shows that have that many episodes. Yeah. To stream oh, something man. like that. So, I mean, it's a CW show. So, mm. there's that. It would be like watching, you know, This Is Us or something like that. Like, there's that many episodes and they're hour long. So, it's really, you know, 42 minutes or whatever. But it's basically the story of a high school footballer in Crenshaw who transfers to Beverly Hills and the storyline playing out from there. Supposedly based on a true story, but, you know, whatever. And it's the most predictable high school sports soap opera you could imagine. (laughs) And so as punishment, I text the two high schoolers frequently. Every time something happens on the show, I text them and bother them and say, you did this to yourself (laughs) by making me watch this ridiculous show. So I have eight episodes left from the two seasons. Um, So that's taking up a lot of my time. Got a couple games of Madden in with Cody and Kyle on Sunday and wrecked them. So I felt good about myself because Cody wrecked me the last time we played. I've been up in my game. Um, I don't know. Other than that, it's been pretty chill. Easter was just hanging out here. Kyle Taylor and Bear came over. We just had ham sandwiches for lunch and hung out and that's about it. So nothing. Nothing too exciting or crazy, just more TV and reading and finished my puzzle. It was good. How many pieces was your puzzle? Uh, this one was 
was a thousand. So generally I do 1500 to 2000 pieces. So this one wasn't too bad. Um, though there, it's just one of those where it's like large portions of it have the same coloration. Yeah. So sorting through like a hundred pieces that all have the same color is tedious. Yeah. Um, that's terrible. <laughs> but like, that's, that's what I was doing while I was watching the whole first season of the show was sitting doing the puzzle and paying attention to the TV. So it, it helps with that a lot. Um, but I'm just now over the last couple of days, I've just now started to get like sports anxious. It's taken this long for me to be like, I'm not playing anything. This sucks. There's nothing to watch. This sucks sports wise. That happened um, to me instantly. There's like guys yeah. playing video games of the sports. Yeah. I can't. It people are like, oh, this is so entertaining. <laughs> like I'm sure, I'm sure the dialogue is entertaining, but like I can't watch. I don't. And they've done it for 2K in the show. Yeah. To me, those are two of the most boring things to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you gotta I've watch never, like Call of Duty or something exciting. I've, I've never enjoyed playing 2K and the show I enjoy by myself, but that's, it's a slow game. To watch. Not, <laughs> yeah. Like I'll watch dudes play Madden and that's about it, but I didn't even watch the Madden game. So that's a lie. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't do it for me. So I like watching the old stuff. I have a bunch of old games recorded on my DVR because they play stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, I would like to be outside shooting a basketball, throwing a disc, doing something. But oh well. It's the outside world. Yeah. So what you've been up to, Josh. What's quarantine life look like for you for the most part? Um, so yeah, I'm up here in LA still. Um, in the beginning, we technically weren't supposed to, but we snuck onto like my field and like cages and did what we could until we talked to our coach about it. And apparently there could be like a lawsuit against it. So we thought it was better not to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um, but then other than that, um, luckily one of my teammates here lives about 20 minutes, like away and he has like some weights in his backyard so me and another teammate that still lives here um go there every other day to go lift and work out and stuff um but other than that i'm trying to throw keep in shape with that it's hard because there's not a lot of people around here to throw with and i have to like throw in a street or something um but yeah just watching a lot of netflix a lot of disney plus i've gotten into too um, and other watching than that, classics or, or new stuff? Uh, classics usually. Gotta relive the childhood. Uh, <laughs> so what yeah. are, what are some of the main ones? Um, watch the Lion King a couple times. That was always one of my favorites growing up. So watch nice. that. Um, I've always been a big high school musical fan. So I definitely <laughs> watched those a couple times. Never gotten to like the whole, there's like a show or like a series about it. Never watched yeah. that. It just ruins the purpose. So yeah. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. It's nothing really to do. But yeah. Are you still? What's up? Say, are you still in? Like, do you still have classes? Are they still expecting coursework from you? What does that look like? Yeah. The, um. I so I was in five classes, and three of them have moved to Zoom. And so I still have my 8 a.m. Monday Wednesday yoga class over Zoom, where the nice. Is in a yoga class. <laughs> 
and then, yeah, it's so it's. I mean, it's a lot of work. I guess I didn't realize. I mean, it's it was a lot of work in person, but like you kind of have to narrow down on it or like yeah, online because you just it's so easy to just be like you know what it's online. Like I don't really have to do anything. Yeah. But that's not the case. So, um, but yeah, we're just doing online classes every week, and it's it is what it is. Do you feel like you're still staying pretty well on top of it? Like I've had people say it's a lot easier this way, or it's easy to forget, and it's a lot more difficult. Like, do you do you feel like your academic skills have improved or diminished based on this? So. Well, I, I would probably not consider myself a valedictorian to say the least. Um, <laughs> so it's probably, but I mean, I, it's probably been the same for me. It's definitely, yeah, it's just more like responsibility. Like I have to go to class. I literally have to log on to my computer and go to class even when I really don't want to. So, but yeah, it's probably been about the same. It's different, but yeah, I went, I don't know. It's whatever. <laughs> the the apathy is starting to set in. It is. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. When does the semester officially end? Uh, first week of May, I think. Our oh. yeah, yeah, first week of May. You gotta oh, survive three more weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then our graduation was supposed to be like May tenth or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, it's either a virtual one, and I think they're gonna like push it back too. So. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, have they said at all? But how do you have a virtual graduation? Is it just going to be like <laughs> college <laughs> president live streaming a speech or something? Yeah, he's going to have every mean? single student on Zoom. So <laughs> yeah, no. You turn your camera on when they say your name, you wave, you yeah. turn it off. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't know. But he said he sent an email to us saying he didn't want to cancel it because it's like a obviously a big time for people so he's we're gonna do a virtual celebration i don't know what it's gonna be and then we're gonna just push it back to a later date no what are finals gonna look like well luckily i had one class that already uh said we're not gonna take a final which is awesome yeah and other than that um i think they're just gonna put it on our school like grading site or whatever that you can put assignments on it's called bright so it'll just be an online test I'm assuming, yeah. Or they'll like send it to us via email or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, you have been playing baseball a very long time. I have been, yes. When, when and how did that start? Um, I think it was when I was, either, I think it was four or five. And I remember it was called Plaza Little League. Um, Jacob, I don't know if you ever heard of that. But, it's probably, I think it was, I think it was in Lakewood. I'm not sure, but I could be wrong. But I, anyway, I was either four or five. I was on the Marlins. I don't know why I remember this. I was literally four years old. <laughs> um, but I think I just got Everyone into Everyone remembers their first team. I was on the Blue Jays, my first team. I, I'm never yeah, going to forget I, that. I have like a vivid picture of the field, like standing behind the fence of a field that I played at. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I started then. Um, Parents were both athletes, so I'm sure they just wanted to get me into as many sports as they could and kind of let me figure it out. And so I played baseball. Obviously, I've played baseball ever since. And I played, like, one year of soccer, basketball, um, flag football, and was never allowed to play tackle. 
So I got into all that, and then baseball just kind of stuck with me. It was kind of the one I was always the best at, too. But honestly, when I was probably anywhere from, like, the 11 to 12 range, probably, I hated baseball. Hated going to practice, hated going to games. Like, I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was all, like, travel ball stuff. Cause, so we'd yeah. go out to, like, Riverside, West Covina, Chino Hills. And it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was just so mad. And I would just be like, Mom, like, I don't want to play anymore. But, like, she obviously wouldn't let me. Yeah. Um, so I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but my mom, my mom got on my case a couple times while I was on the baseball field physically. <laughs> um, so there was one time I was playing travel ball and I was just like, I was playing like third base or something and I was just pouting because I did not want to be there. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, if you don't like cheer up, I'm just going to like yank you off the field or whatever. And I was just like, made it more known that I did not want to be there. <laughs> so mom literally like told my coach, Hey, get him off the field and took me, literally took me home. So I was like, um oh, in the middle of a game. Yeah. Oh yeah, middle of the game. It was that's yeah. incredible. And yeah, there's another time I But I feel was, like that's you winning. Like you got what you wanted. <laughs> you think, but then you like your mom is literally taking you off the field in front of all your friends and stuff and yeah, <laughs> Probably not the best look. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, and then I just kept sticking through it and played. Well, what was causing you to, like, hate it? Why were you so against it at that time? It, I don't know. I think it was just because I didn't want to practice. I hated practicing, and we practiced a lot. And it just got, like, so boring to me because I think that was honestly when I started playing flag football, too but I knew I didn't have a career in flag football. So I was just like, I can't play this, but like, I really just don't want to play baseball right now. I think I just got really tired of it. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. Did you know at that time how good you were? Uh, I was honestly probably like middle of my team because there are guys on my team that I was like, that have obviously been the stud since they were seven years old. Yeah. And so I was never, like, really, like, the best player on my team. I was honestly usually one of the smallest kids on my team. I was always the small, skinny one. It was just, like, I was fast. And, like, I can play, like, any position. So I'd never really, like, grasp onto that because I was just like, yeah, I'm just not as good as these kids. And they were, like, really good. Um, so, no, I'd never really thought of that. I'd, I had no idea, like, what my talent set was because I know one kid now is the best kid, like, that I – Played with growing up, his name's Spencer Steer. Um, he's just got drafted in like the third round last year, and I was like, yeah. tried to always compare myself to him, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just never gonna be that good. So I was just <laughs> over this. So when did your mindset change again to be enjoying it again? It was probably when I was like 14. I started playing pony ball, and I went over to like this place called Whaley Park, and I played there with like a bunch of friends that I played travel ball with. And, like, I was probably one of the better kids on that team. And so it was just really fun to play again. And I enjoyed it because it's, it's fun to know, like, I'm, and I, I hate sounding like this, but it's fun to know, like, when you're good, like, on your team because, yeah. like, whatever. But, yeah, so it was really fun. But, like, I still played with, like, all those kids. I played with, like, Spencer. I know was in my league. 
And so every time I faced him, I kind of like tried to prove myself basically. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed it then. And then that just kind of carried into high school and into college. So did you always know you're going to go to La Salle? No, actually it was, that was kind of like a last minute decision. It was either there or Milliken because Milliken's literally right <laughs> down the street from my house. Yeah. And if I went to Milliken, I would have played with all the kids I played baseball with. But I went to middle school in La Salle. I went to Oak Middle School. So I was like, it's either school friends or baseball friends. That was kind of like what it came down to. And I was so close to pulling the trigger on Milliken because I was like, you know, I get to play with the kids I've been playing my whole life. Yeah. And like, it'd just be kind of easy transition. But then I was like, honestly, like, I kind of want a fresh start and like with baseball, especially. Like, I'd love to have my school friends. And, yeah, some of the school friends play baseball, too. So, it, like, kind of worked out. So, I yeah, that was just – and my sister went to La Salle, too. So, it was easy to make that decision as well. Just kind of go with her there and get a fresh start at a new place. Was there a sense of, like – because Milliken is usually competitive with baseball. Yeah. Is Does La Salle have that same history? Was that part of your decision at all about – being on a better team and getting more exposure that way, or did that not really play a role? I don't think that honestly played a role at all for me. I honestly had like no idea what LaSalle was or like how good they were at baseball or anything. Mm-hmm. And that was recently, like, I think it was, I got there either the second or third year after a new coach got there. Like Matt knew I was still the coach there. And I had, I had no idea anything about it, anything about the program, but I was just like, honestly, I'm just going to go and try it. Like there was like a, summer camp or something for all the kids that were coming in like right before and that was like the first kind of taste I had of it and I don't know it was just yeah baseball really didn't play into my decision at La Salle like it would have been Milliken. So you you said early on that you played a lot of positions clearly you've specialized now when did that transition start to happen? Um when I got here to LMU, that was the first time I was officially a pitcher only. Um, I still don't really like to call myself that because it's a demeaning term, you know. Um, but, um, being called a pitcher or being called a pitcher, pitcher only? Because usually they're perceived as non-athletes. So, that's just, um, but at, a, at junior college, I went to Long Beach City my freshman year and I still played I still played like second base and center field a couple times too, but like that was when my pitching career kind of took off and I was like the top pitcher on our team by the end of season. So he didn't want me really playing any other positions and I wasn't that good of a hitter anyways. Um, so, and then I got here and they, yeah, they just told me I was going to be a pitcher, which was like, yeah, it was kind of only a matter of time. How, how did that even start to happen? Like, did you always pitch? when you were younger amongst all the other positions and you just slowly got better and better at that. How did, how did pitching become? Cause like I played little league my entire childhood. I never once pitched in a game like that just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did that become the thing that you did? Yeah. Pitching was always a part of kind of who I was. I was like, we had the, um, I'll start with like literally travel ball. Like we, we had like the top guys, but they can only pitch so much in like these travel ball tournaments. So I'd always end up pitching like the championship game or something because I was only pitch or like I was like one of the pitches we had left. So 
that happened a lot. And then, yeah, I just, ever since then, I kind of did the same thing. I'd either play a position or I'd pitch. And so I was a pitcher. I know I, the when, the year I went to Pony when I was like 14, I was mainly a, a pitcher and catcher actually. So when I wasn't pitching, I was catching. And then um, at La Salle, I would always did both. But my senior year was kind of, or my junior year, I pitched a lot on varsity. And then my senior year, I played shortstop every game and barely pitched. So it was, I didn't know where my career was going to take off at that point. Yeah. I mean, I had a pretty good senior year and like as a shortstop. So I had no idea what was going to happen, but then I, yeah. And then I just kind of went to Long Beach city and then pitching took over. So, so what, so now you're at LMU. How did you decide to go to LMU? So LMU talked to me out of high school for a little bit. Um, they actually started recruiting me as a shortstop, which I will go to my grave with, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, but then I didn't, I didn't get any like offers or anything out of high school. So that's when I went to Long Beach City and LMU was the only team that kind of stuck with me throughout the year, constantly was like in contact mm-hmm. and everything. And I was lucky enough to go to a junior college for one year. Usually guys yeah. take two years. Um, but yeah, they, I remember I was sitting at, it was when Long Beach State hosted a regional. And so I went and watched that game or like watched one of those games. And that's when the LMU coach called me and said he was going to like offer me within the next couple of days, which was like kind of, it wasn't like out of the blue, but I was just like, wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And so I was originally supposed to go to Alaska that summer to play summer ball. And so then like two days before I was supposed to leave, LMU offered me and I had, and then like, yeah, so basically if you go to Alaska, we're pulling your scholarship offer and we're shutting you down for the summer. And then if, but if you commit to us, like you're not going to, you're not going to pitch all summer. So I was like, okay, well I have two days to make a decision. The next next day I went to the school, like met everyone, like met the coaches and everything. And kind of talked more numbers with like scholarship and stuff. And then, so I kind of made a decision that at that point that I don't think I was going to go to Alaska anyways. Because I threw like 120 innings at my junior college, so I didn't think throwing 50 more in the summer would probably help a lot. Yeah. Um. So then, I decided that it was just basically too good of an offer to refuse, and I was more like I loved everything about it, and it was honestly, it was still it was my only offer. Um. And I just it kind of stepped back, and I was like, yeah, I could go to. Long Beach City for another year and try to get more schools into me. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like the what if I get injured? What if, like, it doesn't have what if I have a bad year, you know? Yeah. And then I was just like, yeah. And LMU kind of showed that they wanted me because they are the only one that kept in contact throughout the year. Yeah. So then they offered me and I was like, absolutely. Like, yeah, I want to. And I still think that was 1000% the right decision to do. So what has the college experience been like baseball wise? Um, what, what's your schedule like? Is it, is going to LMU, is it what you expected? Is it, 
crazier than you thought, more difficult, easier? Like, what does all that look like? Um, it is a grind to say the least. It's, it's <laughs> like a job. You're going to school and you're, you have your other job outside of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot. You know, you have weights, you have practice every day. We have weights three times a week and then you're kind of on your own for like, if you go in the training room, like if you're hurt, like that's on your own, you kind of got to hold yourself accountable. And then long days, especially during season, you're out of the field from, I know on weekend series, if we're home, we have to be at the field from like two and then we don't leave till like 10 after our game. So it's just, it's long and it's definitely, it can't, I'm not going to say it can get boring, but it's just kind of like a routine. You do it like over and over again. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a grind. It's, it's not easy to say the least. What does the, for those who don't know, what does the season schedule look like? Cause most of us, if we haven't paid attention to any college baseball at all, we know what an MLB schedule looks like in terms of six or seven games a week. Yeah. And you know, pitchers are every five days, unless you're a relief pitcher, then it's every two or three days. Like what is what does that schedule look like in terms of when games are and when you pitch? So when games for us we have uh Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, um and then usually a Tuesday game, like a midweek game, and sometimes we'll even have a game on Monday or Wednesday after that. Um but and then so for me, uh it's or for I guess for any pitcher, for any starting pitcher, you usually have a weekend like rotation where one guy will start on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, so I was the Friday guy this last year. So I'd pitch every Friday and I'd, so I get a week rest and it'd just be every Friday. Last year it was every Saturday. So that's kind of the basis of how it works. Like relief picture, relief pitchers, usually they'll come in and then, uh, like say a Friday, they'll probably take Saturday off and then they can come in on Sunday or something. And then you usually have, for us, we never really had a designated Tuesday starting pitcher. So it's kind of like whoever didn't throw on the weekend, who could throw multiple innings would start on Tuesday. Got it. So what has your progression been at LMU? Like what does it mean to go from Saturday to Friday for people who don't know that? So my sophomore year when I came in here, I actually started as the Friday guy. Like fresh, like first year, honestly didn't expect it, but I just kind of earned that. But then – I had a not a very good season, so then I kind of moved to the Saturday, and then I'd move to either bullpen or Sunday starter. So I, my roles like definitely, or I was, a, and then I was a relief pitcher at the end, and then the next year, so my junior year, I I knew it was the same like I had to go up against the same guy Cody, who's our Friday guy last year. Um, so he got the Friday gig last year, and so I I'm actually. I didn't even, I didn't start out as a Saturday guy. It was kind of between me and this other guy, CJ. Um, we split the Saturday, like the first Saturday game of the year. We like, he pitched the first half and then I pitched like the second half. And then after that, um, I honestly forget what happened, but then I kind of just, after that, I started every Saturday since then. And then this year, Cody, Cody got drafted. He was a senior, but he got drafted last year. So I kind of knew it was my spot to take. Um, and then, but we also have this guy, Nick Frasso, who's our top prospect, basically. Um, so it was like me against him too, towards the end. 
And so then I I ended up getting the Friday start and he got the Saturday. So Friday's usually like the top pitcher you start up like against all the top pitchers of the other team. So it's good. It's just kind of cool to see kind of where I stood amongst them too. Yeah. Like their pitchers, but it's yeah. always like going to be exciting. Like, Oh, I get to go up against their top pitchers. So I know it's going to be a good game. So like, that's kind of always how I thought about it. So you've been in a couple pretty big games over the last couple of years. What have been a couple of your like standout moments so far? Well, I don't think. All right, so my sophomore year, I don't think it could have ended any worse. I <laughs> was in our conference tournament, and we were playing Pepperdine for a chance to go to, like, the championship game. And I come in in the ninth inning, and there's two guys on. We're up by two. First guy – or it's, like, first and third. First guy bunts, so, like, the guy goes to second. So it's second and third, one out. Next batter, I get to two strikes, and then I throw a high fastball. Still don't know how I hit it to this day, but he hits it, and it just goes, like, right over the foul pole. So our season ended in my hands, basically. Uh, Yeah, so that was definitely a reality check, to say the least. Um, Yeah. So, and then my junior year, I mean, there was – I know the last weekend was Gonzaga. We played Gonzaga, and – we were struggling and we didn't know if we we're going to get into the conference tournament. And so I pitched on Saturday and I ended up throwing my first very complete game that day. And that kind of assured us like we have a chance to get in if like mm-hmm. Pepperdine loses or something, which they ended up doing the next day. And then the next start was in the conference tournament. And then I beat or we beat St. Mary's when I pitched to go to the championship game and then we won the championship, obviously. And then we went to UCLA regional and I got the chance to go up against number one UCLA and like went, number one in the country UCLA. Number, yeah, number one in the country. Yeah. And so I was I honestly wasn't like too nervous about it. Obviously you have like the pregame like excited nervous. But like yeah. I was, honestly I'm not really expected to do that good if you look at a no, really a nobody <laughs> LMU team versus like yeah. obviously the number one team in the country. Yeah. So there wasn't really like, I knew there wasn't high expectations on me. So I was just kind of like, I mean, I've, it's, I'm just pitching. Like I've done it in my whole life. And yeah. So one of those playing with house money situations where yeah. if you lose, you're supposed to lose. So exactly. who cares? And, uh, but yeah. And then we ended up winning that game that, and it was like obviously probably the biggest game I've ever pitched and stuff. So that I was definitely that probably the highlight <laughs> of my baseball career so far. Yeah. So what, in the middle of that, so those are two very large moments, the loss and then playing in that. How, what was your off season like after giving up the season ending home run? Like what, is that something where you can just be like, that sucked, I'm over it, moving on? Or like, does it eat at you all summer and motivates your workouts and stuff? Like what was it like for you? Well, I got... I was obviously like so defeated after like you kind of turn around and you see like all the seniors or like the juniors that get drafted. Like you look at them and they're like, my career's over. And I felt like responsible for that. And it was just tough because I remember our third baseman was a junior who's going to get drafted. And I literally like turned and looked at him and he just kind of like immediately like fell to his knees. And I was like, that was just like, wow. Like that's just, yeah. And so I, we went back to our hotel, or whatever, and some of the guys were just getting together to hang out. And I remember I 
didn't like want to because I didn't want to like see anybody. Yeah. And I had Cody, that guy I was talking about, he texted me saying, Hey, like, you like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I mean, I'll be fine. Just kind of pissed off. And he was like, or just kind of encouraging, like, no, don't worry. We'll fine. But I didn't get over it for a while. Like it's summer, obviously it sucked. I had a bunch of guys not like, just kind of like, not like make fun of it, but like bring it up and stuff. And I was just like, I don't know why you have to do that. But, um, <laughs> and then it definitely took a while to get over it, but then it was just kind of the next season started and it was just like, it's a new season. Like that doesn't really yeah. matter anymore. And the next time I pitched against Pepperdine, my junior year was at their place. And all I heard from their dugout was uh, like when that guy came up again, was, Oh, like here, it's going to happen again. Like all this stuff, like he ended up going over yeah. two off me. So whatever. But, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it definitely took a while to kind of turn it from, like, a serious, like, don't talk about it to, like, okay, now we can joke about it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. So then going into that UCLA game, like, what – as the game's playing out, do you just – are you just feeling comfortable and fine the whole time because of the situation? Or did there come a point where you're like, dang, I'm up against this number one team and I'm doing good. Like, this is cool. Yeah, it like, was, was, like, the night before, because it was, like, UCLA versus Omaha to see who played us the next day. And and I think Omaha, like, took the lead or something in, like, the first five innings. And I was, like, honestly, like, I don't know if I'd, like, yeah, probably pitching against Omaha would be easier because they're probably not as good of a team as UCLA. Yeah. Um, but then I was, like, no, nah, like, why would I want to do that? Why why wouldn't you want to get the chance to pitch against the number one team in the playoff game, you know? So I was definitely set. Like, I definitely wanted to pitch against UCLA. And then I got up there the first inning, and I'm not a strikeout pitcher by any means. And I struck out, like, two of their best hitters. And I was just like, I don't know how that just happened, but it did. (laughs) And so I was like, honestly, okay, like, I can can kind of settle into a groove here. And then, yeah, I mean, I never got, like, comfortable because I was always like, the game can change within one swing of a bat. It's just kind of up to me to keep us in the game. And – Luckily, it just kept going, like, inning by inning. I got – I think I ended up going, like, six and a third or something like that. And then the lead pitcher came in, did the job. Brasso, our top prospect, came in, did the job, and we ended up winning. And I was like, wow, that was best, probably the best team game we've ever played. Not like, And then the, kind of the best game I've ever pitched, too. So. It was a fun one to watch. <laughs> So what did this season look like? How are things going? How many games did you guys get in? How how were you pitching? So we we only played 16 games. Um we were 8 and 8, one that we weren't doing. We were on we started off kind of doing really bad our first or our first couple weekends like our first weekend was really good. We beat we beat Washington 2 out of 3 and then we went to Sam Houston State, got absolutely embarrassed, like swept three games zero. And then after that, we didn't really like get our like kind of mojo back. And then until like the last weekend that we played, we swept San, San Jose State. And then I was the Friday starter and my season was not going well really at all. Like I did really well my first start and then the next start against Sam Houston obviously didn't go well. And then. The next couple starts were okay, but they weren't, like, kind of up to my standard. And so, like, you look at my stats, and they weren't good at all. Mm-hmm. So, but we were definitely on the rise. Like, we were, try- we were starting to figure it out and everything. And 
It was it would have been our first week after conference too, so we didn't get to play any games in conference either. Which so kind of that's really all that matters for us is conference because that's how you make mm-hmm. the tournament and then playoff or whatever. So yeah, but yeah, so it wasn't going too well, but we were definitely on the rise up. So so what what do things look like now? What is what's the next step for you? What I know that the NCAA you know, is talking about an extra year of eligibility for people. What does that look like? Like what, what does the next month look like? What are the next six months look like? What, what are things like baseball wise for you? So right now it's just kind of up to me to um, stay in shape. Obviously I want to keep playing as long as I can. And the biggest thing kind of is just the draft and kind of, because they're talking about, Either it's either going to be five or ten rounds instead of the traditional 40. So that definitely hurts a lot of us. And I know all the guys on my team are kind of in the same boat as me. We're just kind of waiting on that to see what the investment is and if we go. So definitely if I, if I get the opportunity to sign with the team, I'm going to like, and then take off from there. But if not, then yeah, I plan on using my fifth year of eligibility, my Corona year, I guess, of eligibility next year. Um, and just kind of do the process all over again as what I was, I was supposed to do this year. So what is, as a player looking forward to the draft and what that looks like, what, what does that look like from your standpoint? Do you, are teams reaching out? Do you reach out to them? Is there any communication at all right now? Or is it just, you just wait till draft day and see what happens? What's going, what's that look like? Um, yeah, I think just starting last week, scouts were allowed to contact you because they weren't mm-hmm. probably for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, teams are reaching out to draft or p- people they're interested in. And I've got, I've got, I've talked to a couple. So, yeah. but like those scouts kind of, they have a say, but like honestly, it's up to like the higher ups of who they want yeah. to sign or whatever. So you never really know until the draft happens. Like you, yeah. so it's kind of, you don't want to set yourself up like, oh no, like I'm probably going to go, like give yourself that expectation and then not go, you know, and then you're yeah. going to coming into next year. I, I know, like, I know a couple of guys on our team did that last year. And so I'm just kind of, you just got to take it for what it is and not like, yeah, okay, it'd be awesome if I go, but like kind of expect to come back next year. So you're, you're not like let down if you don't go. Yeah. So what do those conversations look like? Are they just, the individual scout saying, I see this in you and think, you know, you could possibly be at this level or like the team is interested, but we want to see this out of you. Like, what does that look like? Are they just saying, are they just saying that they're interested? Are they giving you advice? Are they saying what they're looking for? What does that mean? Um, so probably in the fall of this last year, I talked to maybe like six or seven scouts and it was, it's more just like questionnaires, kind of just basic like information. And then, they at for me pitchers they like ask you oh like what pitches do you throw like what's your greatest strength what's your weakness I know a lot it's like who's the best hitter you've ever faced like who's your who's the MLB pitcher you compare yourself to um and just just getting to know you basically like all your basic information and then that's what they do in the fall and then usually they just come out and watch you in the spring and it's just more I know the guys I've talked to like recently it's just like oh like are you staying in shape like are you doing this i'm like yeah stay in shape like all right we'll talk to you kind of sooner 
like, or when the draft comes. And so it's just like, it's just a giant waiting game, honestly, for yeah. all of us until the draft. So there's like just so much that um, is on the draft day, actually. So I'm curious what your answer to who do you compare yourself to is, because that's a really weird self-analysis thing, like yeah. looking at yourself and trying to trying to not. You don't want to overestimate yourself. You don't want to <laughs> underestimate either. So, like, where is like exactly. who, what was your answer? So I I've done two. I've done Rick Porcello just because I go like guy doesn't throw hard, but like he can locate everything. That's kind of me. And then I also did a young Jared Weaver for the Angel fan that I am. So <laughs> that's, nice. Those are my two that I go with. Nice. Porcello is a funny one to throw out because, I mean, obviously baseball people know who that is. Yeah. But, you know, most people are going to be like, who? Yeah, exactly. That's, so. that's funny. Or we so, can just go and just say that, yeah, I'm Nolan Ryan, basically. So. <laughs> yeah, just throw 100 miles an hour when I'm 50. It's fine. <laughs> so, so are you like, so you're kind of the mindset of I'm going to be back here next year for a fifth year. Like you're pretty resigned to that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm definitely more in that mindset than I'm going to get drafted because obviously like with having the year I had this year with like the four starts didn't go in, like didn't go well so yeah also feeds into it and so yeah I'm like signing up for classes in the fall and stuff is yeah. just, like, that was that's what I was getting into is what does that look like school wise were you not on track like you're so now it's just taking classes just to take classes because you're going to be graduated you're going to have a degree yeah so, so what I, is, so I was going to graduate. I was going to walk in the spring and everything, but I'd still have like two major classes that I have to take after to like actually get my degree. Got so it. I was either going to do that in the summer or the fall. So now that I come back in the fall, like I can just take those classes as a part, as a part of the year. And then I talked to my, like my academic advisor or whatever. And he said, add a minor or something and something easy. So you can just add more classes throughout the spring and fall. Cause that's, that's the curious part is like, so all these people who did complete all their coursework and graduate who are being given another year, yeah. what do they <laughs> what do, do they for a whole do? year? What does that look? They go off and have jobs and then they can come back and play a fifth year. Like, what does that even look like? Yeah. So, I think it's more of like either a, like a master's or like graduate program. I think that's kind of the only things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. What's your major? I'm a sociology major. Started as psychology and then I switched to sociology. And so are you going to go with a minor or? Um, the plan I think is to add an urban studies major or minor. That's what it's called. Cause uh, it's kind of like goes hand in hand with sociology. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the classes are probably going to be similar. So that's, if I do add one, that's probably the one it will be. How did you? get to choosing how did you go in and start psychology like what made you want to start with that and then what caused the switch i i took one i took like the intro to psychology at long beach city and i thought it was pretty interesting but i also had no idea like what i wanted to do um so i was like yeah i'll just i'll start in that and kind of see where it goes um it was a lot more than i thought it was going to be like i took like uh, i forgot what the class was called but like it was just every single part of the brain and like how everything works. And it was just like, wow, it's a lot of obviously information to retain. And so yeah. I was struggling with that a lot. And I 
figured it'd be best if I wanted a degree at the end of this to probably switch. Um, so then I switched my junior year, like halfway through my junior year. So I couldn't switch into a lot of majors. I could have because of, I would have to take a lot of extra school after. So sociology was the one that I could still graduate on time, but still switch into at that time. Hmm. So what is it about sociology that draws you in? Like, is there, are you passionate about sociology now or is it more just kind of out of convenience? Like what, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. I don't think passionate would be the word I used about sociology. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, it was just at most convenience. And at the end of this, like I said, I, I still don't honestly know what I want to do if like yeah. when I get the degree with it. So it was like, but I wanted to end up with a degree at my, like by the time I came out of here. So that was just the one that was most convenient. Yeah. Um, I want to revisit one last just baseball idea. What being a pitcher has a very specific mindset. How, like, what is your experience been as you started to develop as a pitcher, as you specialized into a pitcher? Um, what, like, how do you feel being on the mound in control of a game like that? Like, what, what is that like for you? Do you go out there and like just take ownership of that and do your best to dominate it? Do you feel like you're just one of nine guys out the, on the field and you're helping facilitate? Like, what, what is your mindset when you step on the mound? So it's, it's definitely changed over since my time I got here into now. Um, when I was at junior college, I was like, there weren't, I mean, there were very good teams, but like our team was really good. And I, I kind of, I did really well. So I thought I was like a lot better than everyone. Not like cocky really, but like on in a sense, you kind of have to be when you're on the mound. Yeah. Um, but I was just kind of like, yeah, it's just another team. So it's like, it's probably pretty easy. Um, when I got here, I think that's kind of what carried into here, which obviously division one baseball is a lot harder than junior college baseball. Um, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came here my sophomore year, I think that's what I struggled with the most was just kind of like my mindset. Cause I expected to do so well and then I didn't. So I'd get down on myself and I was just like, probably after I did bad, I was like, no one wanted to talk to me. Like all this stuff was, which was absolutely like what you probably should do if I'm like mad like who would want to talk to me <laughs> yeah. um but then it was going in it was like the winter break of my junior year and uh my one of my, my pitching coach made me like read a book and it was just kind of talked about like the optimistic side of everything and relying more on like the process than the product I know my high school coach like that's all he preached that and I never really like grasp onto it and so it's more about, I was so results, like, I want to see good results at the end of the day. I didn't care, like, what it was or anything. But then when, so if it didn't go my way, I'd always get really mad. And I was just like, why is it going this way? But then, so I switched my mindset into, like, you know what, if I do my job, if I throw the pitch where I need to, if I pitch the contact and let my defense work and everything, then I'll be in good shape. And it shouldn't matter, like, what the end result is. So the last, the last couple of years, like I've just been like, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm, it's kind of just like a one-on-one -on -one battle at the end of the day. It's me versus the hitter. And like, I have to believe that I'm better than him. like, there's no way he's going to beat me. And 
then so it's like at the end of the day, I just wanted to keep my team in the game. And if I do that, then I do my job and I'm not going to be like too upset about it because I'm, I'm probably a pretty like passionate player. Like I'll get pissed off. I'll, I'll like yell as I'm coming off the mound. I was definitely <laughs> done that. I was one of those guys. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just changed. Like it just has to be like, yeah, I, I don't care what the results are as long as I do my job. And that's kind of all that matters. Nice. The other thing that astounds me about pitchers, and you've kind of shown that just in this conversation, is the ability to recall, the ability to like know details and be yeah. able to just relive the moment and know exactly what the situation was and exactly what played out. Has it always been that way for you, or is that a developed skill? How has that happened? Um, it's probably – I've definitely paid more attention to it since I got here. I wouldn't say like I – I mean, yeah, I have like certain like high school memories and stuff, but yeah, definitely since I got here and like I kind of am only a pitcher now, I can only focus on that. And so I can definitely recall a lot of things that happen kind of just like subconsciously. Like I remember it, like I can remember like a lot of things about like that UCLA game. I can remember like almost every at bat. So it's just like, it's, it's weird like that. I don't know why it's like that, but it's just kind of subconsciously. Yeah. Like I remember everything. Like, would you be able to be like, all right, first inning, first at bat, this, this was the pitches, second at bat, these are the pitches. First at bat was Garrett Mitchell. It was like, I think I threw ball one the first pitch and the next pitch he had a base hit up the middle. So, yeah. So I can, I can do that for a lot, like, like a lot of that game, especially, and then like some other games. Hmm. Is that a result of you just being so much in the moment at the time or? like an inning ends and you're going back and thinking about it in between innings and like going back and watching video after, like what, what develops that? It probably is in the moment and then watching video after it will like, I already kind of already know what's going to happen. Like I'll go back because I know my dad and mom always videotape me. So I'd always look back and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is like a slider in the dirt. This is a change up low. This is whatever. And like, I already knew what was going to happen. So just kind of like, probably in the moment thing that I just like literally remember everything. Um, I was going to ask another question in that and then I lost it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Jake, come up with something. Um, so when you faced UCLA, you got to, uh, pitch kind of against one of your close friends. How cool was it to pitch against or pitch like along, not alongside, but like kind of head to head against Kyle? Yeah. Uh, so me and Kyle go back to middle school. He, I think in middle school, he absolutely hated me. Um, still don't really know why. I guess he just thought I was, I don't know. I didn't think I was too cool because I was a new kid out of middle school. So I guess he thought so. Um, he hated me seventh and eighth grade. Then we played high school all, or we played all four years of high school together. Then we just kind of developed into the friends we are today. And so we'd always like joke around and stuff. And so when that happened, I was just like, yeah, okay, I get a, I get a pitch against Kyle and I kind of just got to, I wanted to prove myself, not like prove mm-hmm. myself to him, but like, I, I don't even know if he's seen me pitch since high school. <laughs> so, um, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you guys today, and I'm gonna rub it in your face that every the only time I got a pitch against you that I beat you. So that's and luckily that's what ended up happening. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I know that 
um, after the game, I definitely looked into their dugout just to see what his reaction was. <laughs> um, and then at the after the last two games that we lost to UCLA, like uh, we shake hands after, and it was just kind of like a moment, like we're brothers still. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. On the field. Yeah, I, I when I saw that happen, I was like, that's so cool because like I know both of you. I'm like, so cool. This is happening, and like, of course, I was rooting for you, but like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm still gonna root for Kyle too. Going on, I'm like he's still the cool guy that I know as well. But like this is just so cool that these two, like excellent baseball players, I get to watch. Yeah, it was funny because some of our friends, like in our high school group, came too, and like his girlfriend, and like I don't know if you know Mike Townsend. He's also yeah. on the team a year lower than me. Um, but like those girlfriends were obviously on the UCLA side, and I'm really good friends with both of them. <laughs> I had like two other friends on my side, like Jesse was there mm-hmm. and he's on my side. So it was, it's funny to like see which friends will pick that side. Obviously they're going to pick their boyfriend's side, but I was just like, yeah. All right. like whatever. <laughs> um, so the question I was going to ask is, it's really interesting to me what type of players are in terms of preparation. Um, are you somebody that, watches a lot of film and scouts opposing players so like you are pitching towards those tendencies pitching towards that or are you more focused on this is who I am this is what I do I'm just going to pitch how I pitch and let that work for me so I usually let our coaches handle like the scouting reports and everything and Mm -hmm. our pitching coach is also our head coach this year so he'll call the pitches according to his scouting report and so I'll usually just pitch whatever but I'm not a huge like I have an everyday or I have every start I have a routine but it's not like down to the specific detail like I have to do this I, I, I'm not really like that I just kind of go out and I'll do whatever I do before games and I'll just be like all right like have kind of have no expectations going into the game like even if it's like a probably like a well-known like not so good team like I still mm-hmm that's when I get myself into trouble is like, Oh, I'm, I'm expecting myself to do good. So mine is just kind of freeing my mind of like all that stuff and just kind of going out like a fresh plate every time. And it's just like, this is a new start. And like, hopefully this is the way it goes. If it doesn't, then that's like, so be it. But yeah, I'm not like too, too worried about all like the preparation and routine and stuff. I kind of just go out there and do my own thing. Um, who over the course of your life, so you talked about like you would compare yourself to Rick Porcello and young Jared Weaver, but who are like a couple baseball players that you idolized growing up? Like who are people that inspired you or that you wanted to be or that you just loved watching? Who have been like the top pro players that you have watched and admired in that way? So I will always say my favorite baseball player ever is Tim Salmon. Um, yeah, Randy, fish. But I love that guy. I love because I, I've watched the 2002 World Series film numerous times. Yeah. And he was just always a player that I loved watching. Um, but then it's just always been like angel players. I, like, I love Jared Weaver because he went to Long Beach State and that's literally where I'm from. Um, and just kind of guys like that, like I'll pick and choose, probably not like the not so like well names like those two guys. And like, I obviously love watching like the Max Scherzer, the Garrett Cole pitching right now. Cause it's awesome to see what they do. 
but it was more like the like Sean Figgins type stuff. Like I love yeah. that. absolutely love that. <laughs> and like the David Eckstein and like all those yeah. guys that aren't so well known are just so fun to watch for me because I kinda always compare myself to them. I've never been like a top guy on like a team that everybody pays attention to or like all that stuff, but they all have their own like they all contribute in their own ways. And like it wouldn't be the same without them. So I kinda just always thought like of myself like that too. Did you see I forgot who posted it yesterday, but it was a comparison between Alex Rodriguez and David Eckstein. I and didn't see that. It it showed like A Rod has, you know, however many six hundred plus career home runs and Eckstein has forty something maybe. But they 35. both have was it thirty five? <laughs> yeah. But they both have two career walk off grand slams. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, like, back-to-back games, too, so it was like... Yeah. Yeah, that's So, I sent that to a couple people, and I was just like, man, Eckstein was... Eckstein was the guy. Like, that guy was the heart and soul of that 2002 team. Absolutely. Just, you know, just enough. Like, that was his nickname, was just enough. Like, he had just enough arm to be able to play. (laughs) He He had had just enough range to be able to do it. He had 35 home runs. A Rod had 696. Yeah. <laughs> had two career walk off grand slams. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, those guys. For me, it was like Garrett Anderson oh, was yeah. my favorite angel for the entirety of my childhood. Um, JT Snow was somebody that I always admired too even like and he's somebody who nobody knows like every time i have to explain my one of my usernames it's because of jt snow and everyone is like who is that <laughs> i'm like look don't worry about it his yeah, dad played for the rams he's a los alto guy yeah i knew him as a giant for the 2002 world series so that's how yeah. i always knew jt snow and then i found out that like he's from around here too and everything there's an angel at one point i was like oh that guy's pretty cool and i won't hate that guy anymore yeah. Um, so, Jake, are you ready to move away from baseball, or did you have anything else? Um, yeah, I, I have one or two more uh, for baseball. Go for it. Who on your team are – well, I'll ask this one first. If you were to be drafted and stuff like that, where would your ideal team be? So, besides the Angels, obviously, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. the dream, you know. But honestly, I don't. I couldn't care. I just want to play. I don't really care who it is. Um, it's it, I, in my position. I don't think you really can have a preference because it's yeah. just kind of like you got to take what you get. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to go whatever. I obviously would love to be on the West Coast. Um, yeah, I would do in the whole East Coast weather <laughs> per se. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely open to go wherever. I'm not really yeah and. Would you want I'm, to be? I'm tempted. I'm tempted to be like, would you? What about this team? But you know, we don't want to put any negative yeah. uh, thoughts out there. So, would you want to be a, or would you want to continue as a starting pitcher, or would you mind moving to like relief or to anything like that? Um, I pretty much have been a starting pitcher my whole life, so obviously I'd love to do that. But in the end, it's just kind of whatever they think you'll go further yeah. as. And so I'm I'm open to anything. I I mean I've done everything, so I can, I think I've shown that I can do anything too. And then I have one more words. Um, who on your team or who 
uh, well, it's kind of two-part. Who on your team do you think will go the farthest, and, like, what do you expect from them kind of thing? And who has been the best player that you've gone against so far that you picked? Uh, so the guys on my team, uh, like I said, Nick Frosso is our top prospect. He was, like, a top 60 prospect coming into the year. Um so he definitely has the opportunity to go pretty far. He throws up to 98 miles an hour, which not a lot of people do. So that I think that'll help him go further. Um, it's definitely nice to have. Um, but then there's, I mean, there's definitely a bunch of guys that are kind of like me. Like if you give us a chance, we can definitely prove mm-hmm. that we can go pretty far. Um, you might not think about it as a first because we're not like these big names, but there's guys like, uh, our catcher Cooper is, like probably the best defensive catcher I've ever seen and probably one of the best defensive catchers in the country. And I'll stick by that till my grave. And I, he, I I think he can go equally as far as Frasso. And there's a guy, Trevin Escara, our first baseman that has some of the most power or some of the, like the most pop I've ever seen out of a guy. He switch hits and he can do it from both sides. He's also ambidextrous too. So wow. he can kind of, yeah. <laughs> wow. he, doesn't really, he doesn't throw with his right as much, but he can. Like it's some, and so I definitely think like guys like that, there's a couple of other guys. I know Sean Pocket, it's a lefty pitcher that goes up to like 93 on our team. Like he can go pretty far if he figures some things out. There's just like a bunch of like that. That's if you take a chance on us, like we can definitely yeah. go pretty far. And so the other, the hardest, or the person that I have had the most fun time with uh, pitching against is, uh, now I'd say probably a couple of those UCLA hitters were definitely pretty good. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, he's top 10 prospect this year. He's a sophomore wow. last year, and he's probably the best hitter I've ever faced. Uh, they also have a couple other guys on their team that are really, really good hitters. And also I have faced Spencer Steer, who I mentioned earlier, at Oregon um, last year, and he has always had my number no matter what age we are. And so last year when I pitched against – or I pitched against him sophomore year, and I think he, he went like one for six off me in two games. And then this last year he – we were up at Oregon, and he hit his first career home run in three years at home off of me in the first inning. <laughs> Uh, and I, I couldn't help but laugh at that. And I was like, why me? Like, why does that have to be me? But so those are probably the couple of guys that I've had the most trouble with. When it's guys like that who you've known kind of for a long time, do they like reach out to you before or like after kind of like to like tease you or to like kind of just like start a conversation because they know you're coming to town? Yeah, it's uh, it'll probably be more after the game if anything. Um, obviously I texted Spencer after that game and I was just like, really, dude, like, why did? You do that? <laughs> um, but he he's never really the type to like kind of talk trash to me like after that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of is what it is. Like he's just like a really humble player like that. But then I know Kyle. Whenever we faced UCLA like in the regular season, Kyle Mora would always because I I couldn't really do anything about it. But whenever he pitched, he always did really good against us. And so he'd always make fun of like my team basically, but like I couldn't do anything about it because I like I didn't pitch or like I, I mean it's not like I hit against him. So yeah. like I gotta stand up for my guys, yeah, but like kind of the numbers speak for themselves there. Yeah. You can tell Josh has watched a lot of press conferences and interviews and stuff. You you got these you got these answers down pat. <laughs> I, yeah. Practice very. 
very, very political, you know, <laughs> spread the love around. Don't, don't say anything harsh. Good, good job. <laughs> I'll, well I'll, done. There are, probably some, there are probably some guys that I'll, I'll, I'll be harsh on, but I haven't, they haven't come to my head yet, so I won't say anything. <laughs> it's fine. No, you're doing great. This is exactly, this is exactly the persona you need to be having yeah. and cultivating to move this forward. Is good practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we can switch gears now a little bit. Um, you have grown up in the church. You went to private school. Uh, up through sixth grade, right? Yeah. Um, what, so in that setting, when, this is just one of the questions I like asking people, when, when would you say that your faith started to become your own? Because obviously you're going to church, you're hearing this stuff all the time, your parents are talking to you about it, you're, so you know, who God is, you know who Jesus is all your life. But when did your relationship with Jesus like become your own? Was there a moment? Was it a process? Was there a realization? When did that happen? Um, so I I specifically remember I was I think it was either kindergarten or first grade. I remember sitting in the chapel and they're like, oh, if you haven't accepted Christ in your heart yet, like just kind of say this prayer and like it should happen. So I, that's, I think that's like the first time I probably did that. I still wouldn't say that's on my own because like they're telling us to do it type mm. deal. And yeah. I'm six years old and I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I think, but definitely starting when I started going to Green Oak Ranch and I started going in third grade that it was, uh, it kind of, it went more into my own because I didn't have, like it's the same people telling you the same stuff, but like I could kind of still be on my own out there. Like I was more with my friends than kind of someone else telling me like, a, like obviously pastor Phil, like great guy, but it, I think it'd be more if like, like what Jesse, like if Jesse told me like all about it and stuff, like, cause it's just more of my peers. Yeah. Um, so that definitely helped me. And then, but like, honestly, probably, um, let's see. Within the, like the beginning of last year, like the fall of 2019, I like really started like cracking down on that. And I started going to like the, my church with, or like my church up here with like my friends and stuff that from LMU. And that was kind of like the turning, I would call it like the turning point in my life was literally just this last year where I was just like, you know, like this is, this is awesome. Like I, I had so many more like feelings with it. Like, wow. Like just like he is awesome like I can't even imagine uh what he is like and I I can't really imagine how how I'm even feeling this way if he's not real like because I always had those like doubts you know like oh like what if it's just like kind of something people say and you don't really believe but like I this this last year was definitely when I started to like feel it and more like not just say it but like practice it too what specifically did that look like? Were there situations that came up that, that happened? Were there conversations? Was it personal Bible study? Like how, what caused that to happen? Um, so I know growing up through my life, obviously Mike Stone was a big influence in our life, like with faith and everything. We always did Bible studies with him. Mm-hmm. And so I was definitely like into faith and all that. I definitely was, I, I consider myself a Christian back then, but I don't know if I, like now looking back on it, was I like a legit like Christian or did I just kind of say I was, or did I like really believe it? And so I, I met some of my friends on the volleyball team here and that, and honestly, 
I'm not proud of it, but it probably started out as I'm going to church to try to impress this girl and try to get her to like me. Um, <laughs> I'm, then, I'm sure uh, there are plenty of people who would relate to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but then it, I kept going and I would pay more and more attention to the message instead of just kind of like focusing on her. And I would just be like, you know what? I'm going for myself now. There's just a point where I was like, I'm going for myself. I'm not going for her. Like if she didn't go to the church, like I'm still going to go. It doesn't really matter. And I started to turn around and like, no, I want to do this for myself and I don't want to do it for anyone else because I think that's kind of how I can live my life like the most happy. And it, there were definitely probably conversations with my dad. Uh, I know he's been a pastor like pretty much his whole life. So he's definitely like he, on top of those things. And he always tried to get me to go to church, but like I never wanted to. And so I definitely had multiple conversations with him. I know I talked to a lot, talked a lot to Jesse. Um, Mike, like all these guys that are just kind of huge influences on in my life. And then it comes to that where I even find guys on my team that I didn't know were Christians. And this last year I was one of like the leaders in our athletes in action group. And I was like, I could have never thought I was going to do this. And I was just like, I, I want to make it like known that I, I am a Christian. I'm not going to like hide it anymore. Just like say I am. I like, I want to believe it. I want to like profess that. So what what does that look like to be a leader in athletes in action? For people who don't know, we've talked about FCA a lot on here because we bring that up, um, but we don't really have experience with athletes in action. So what is that group? What do they do? What is your role with that? Um, so athletes in action is basically, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same thing. It's just uh, any athletes here. We will put it on Instagram. We'll put it on like email, whatever. And it's just a group that we go and there's, I think there was four or five of us that led it. You know, it was a group probably of like no more than like 13 people and half of them were probably the leaders of the group. But, and it was, so we'd meet like every other Thursday. I mean, we've only met, I think like twice this year because like the year ended. Um, and yeah. we got on it kind of late, but. So we come up with a message and we just kind of like talk about what their experiences are in college because a couple of them are freshmen. And so it's like, oh, like, how are you guys handling this? And like, what do you think like faith has to do with this and like all this stuff? And so we, we kind of just focus more on like other, we wouldn't have like a specific like set plan. We'd kind of see how everyone's doing and we have a couple points obviously, but like, and then we kind of just like, go to wherever like the conversation was going and then we bring faith into it and the kind of like different things you can do like through your daily routine and to like help with your faith and everything. So that's just kind of how that went. It'd be like a hour, hour and a half conversation just between us, just talking to each other and just kind of like putting ideas in each other's heads. Got it. Um, so I kind of want to go back to earlier, um, you said you're probably, well, you didn't say the words, but it felt like you were kind of just going through the motions as a believer mm-hmm. early on. Um, but even in that, what was your transition like from being in a private school early on to shifting to a public school? Did you feel a big shift? Were things like weird or difficult to move into going that? Cause I mean, the private school was, you got smaller classrooms. It's a much smaller community. And so even moving to public, just the setting itself is much different, but also just interpersonal communication is different. What, what was that transition like for you? 
Uh, it was definitely something I could have, I couldn't have planned for. Um, I'm used to going to one teacher for a whole day and she's talking about six different subjects. I'm used to having the same, uh, 15 classmates. I'm used to seeing the same, I don't even know how many people were in that school, but I'm, I see them every day and it wasn't that yeah. many because I probably could have named most of them. And so <clears throat> I go to a place like I did, Oak Middle School, and it was just like, I had two friends that went with me from the school, Sam and Cade, and they both went with me. And so I definitely hung out with them at first, but then I don't think I had any classes with them. So I was just like, it was, there was 30 people in a class that that's bigger than my whole class at my private school. So I was just like, I don't know how to do this really. And I remember my first uh, test in seventh grade, we had a Scantron test. And I had never seen one of those before. So I remember <laughs> instead of filling in the little bubble, I would circle it. And so the teacher came up and like, no, that's not what you do. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. But it's like little stuff like that. I was like, I've never, I've never done this before. Yeah. And I'm also not like, my mom was my PE teacher, but then we have a PE class. And so like, I get to actually go out and like play with a bunch of other people that like, I obviously most of them don't want to go to PE because they're just kind of over it. Like there were also guys that were like really into it and I just kind of got to play with them and stuff, but it was definitely really different. But, um, going from middle school to high school is basically the same thing. It's just yeah. a, at a bigger scale. Did you notice a difference just in how you talked with people and communicated with people and how you were acting and stuff based on being from a private Christian environment? to a quote-unquote secular environment was that a really big shift and adjustment or was that relatively smooth yeah it was definitely a major shift for that as well too because I had to make all these new friends and I know probably most of them didn't grow up in a private Christian school like I did and so I I I probably didn't put myself out there as like oh yeah no I went to a private Christian school like I can probably talk to you about all this faith stuff when that's probably not at all what they wanted to talk about you know so I definitely had to, um, it was just more like, I don't even know, like obviously they're like the cool kids or something that was like a group there. And then there was like all those like groups you see in like TV shows, but like that was actually a thing there. <laughs> and so I found myself trying to fit in with like those cool kids sometimes. And I was just like, I don't know if that's who I am, but like it's middle school. I'm going to try to act cool. Yeah. So it was definitely different. Um, it was eye opening and I, I, I definitely made like the right friends through it. I think that I still have to this day, like that are still my friends. I still, I met most of them in middle school. And so it was major change in my life. And I was so scared at first, but like my sister did it too. So I started talking to her about it and like it ended up being fine. It was just kind of like the adjustment period, like the first couple of weeks that was just like, I just have to kind of figure out what it's like. So you've mentioned your sister a couple of times. Jordan is also a really good athlete and you, like you said, you kind of chose LaSalle, not because of that, but it helped. Um, what was it like being the younger brother of somebody who was known and successful at the same school? Uh, it sucked. Um, <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> I was always like, I always got, oh, you're Jordan's brother. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how I like that. But um, <laughs> she was always like school. So I, I always had to compete with her in that. She got like one B her entire high school career. 
Yeah. yeah like, one, like same thing in college too. I was just like, why are you doing this to me? Like, it's like, <laughs> like, um, so I was definitely always more, I mean, she was, she holds records for track at, uh, lost out too. So it's not like she wasn't a good athlete either. Yeah. Um, so I definitely had a lot to look up to. Um, definitely a lot to try to compete with in within the household. And I remember when we were both at Lost Out, we were only there for like one year together, but we like did not have a good relationship. Like we kind of fought all the time. We just kind of like were tired of each other. And it was just like, I can see that now saying like, that was probably just me being competitive and like, okay, stop doing so good. So I can have like, I mom and dad could say something to me for once and not you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it definitely helped me a lot uh, growing up with her being athletic and everything. And so it just, it was kind of cool to see that we were both like when we both went to college and played our respective sports, like we could root for each other instead of against each other anymore. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was just really cool growing up with her and her being the freak athlete and freak genius that she is in the classroom as well. <laughs> Fun to grow up with. Yeah. Um, so having, a father be in a pastor role and having your mom be your teacher for a while. What kind of, what was that like? Did you feel added pressure? Was there the stigma of like PK ish? Was it weird to be the teacher's son? Like how much of that affected who you were and, and your development? Um, for, for my dad being like a pastor, having a role in the church we grew up in, uh, Grace Brethren. Um, it was, it was different because I, I, I obviously grew up there for a little bit of my childhood, but then transitioned to Los Altos. And I, I honestly didn't really like going to church there too much because I, my big thing was like, I had no one to go with. I didn't have a lot of friends there. Um, so my, probably my main focus was to, uh, have friends and instead of go there for like the church. And so I think, and then I started going to Los Altos. It was a lot better because I went with like my classmates and stuff, but then I stopped going there kind of after I graduated from that school. And, <clears throat> and so my dad always, like I said, he was always pushing me to go to church. I just never could really find the church that I wanted to go to. Um, and, but like, yeah, nowadays what it is, like I can talk to him about like anything. And so my mom, I always loved being a teacher's kid. It was awesome. I don't, my mom never favored me. If anything, she was a lot harder on me. I um, can imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I didn't mind it at all. Cause like I kind of knew every, whatever it was, Tuesday, Thursday, we went out to PE. Like I'd get to see my mom and I don't know how many people can say that, especially like on a playground, you know, not in a classroom. And so yeah. it was always cool. I always loved doing it. We always kind of job back and forth with each other. She always, treated me like another kid, which is like, I probably didn't like it at the time, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want to be treated like a special kid just because I'm your son, you know? Yeah. So what, what were the, were you going to youth groups? Did you have a faith community that you were super invested in from middle school to high school? Like even, even if you wouldn't say that your faith was taking hold at that time, did you still have like, a solid group you've mentioned Mike and Jesse was it like just them two or was there an actual community that you did feel invested in that was helping you develop your faith um there was so probably going to middle school I 
came back to Los Altos for the youth group, what, like every Wednesday or whatever we met with uh, Kevin Edwards. He would lead yeah. it. And so I did that for a little bit. But then it was kind of like, if Jesse goes, then I'll go. Like, it was just yeah. kind of always we were together. Um, so then I stopped going to that. Um, and then in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, I went over to Seacoast because that's where most of the Los Al people went. And so I just, it was, see, like I said, it was also friends and like people I could hang out with there. And, but then Seacoast was really cool. I, I always loved it there. And, but then I think it was after or like halfway through my sophomore year or something, I stopped going. And then I never really did anything else after that. Um, the rest of my high school career until like I, like this year, this was the first year I got back in something like as a community. Yeah. What I kind of had this conversation with a friend yesterday, and so I'm interested. Obviously, it's on my mind, so I'm interested in your thoughts. What would have needed to happen either in the youth group setting from a pastor or something? What What would have needed to happen for you to have had this shift? faith that you had last year what would have needed to happen for you to have that earlier in your life what what would somebody have needed to like step up and have a conversation with you would you have needed to like step out and have bigger conversations with peers what 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 would have been helpful for you to take that step at a younger age um i think it i don't know if it probably would have helped to see like if someone like a higher up would have like come to me and be like hey like how are you feeling about all this stuff um, but honestly, I think it was just kind of like me. I'm not, mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's anything that one person could have done that would have switched me. You know, I, it was kind of like, I finally figured out, I finally, um, grabbed a hold onto this thing and I'm just going to like run with it. And so I definitely think, I know I always talked to Mike Stone about it. Like he was like a, he was definitely one of the first people that would reach out to me and ask me how I'm doing and ask if I have any questions and if I want to talk about all this stuff. Um, so I, yeah, I think that could help if, you know, someone would be like just kind of checking on all the kids or whatever and just be like, Hey, how are you guys doing with this? Like, is there any questions? But yeah, I think honestly, mostly it was just kind of me and my, where my head was at. Got it. Um, so now you're at this point where you you've talked about the the shift and how it really is um much more personal for you now. What is it specifically about Jesus that draws you in? Like what is there one aspect of him? Is there a way that you've seen him work in your life? What is it about him that in the last year or two has really established him for you? Um, just kind of, there's always a presence with him. Like you kind of just, I know, like you read about it in the Bible, but I don't know if you actually believe it. So you kind of feel it that he's literally always with you and kind of like, no matter what, um, situation you're going through, I know I've struggled with uh, like some other stuff, like either a relationship or baseball or whatever. I could always go to the Bible, find a verse and be like, there'd be a verse for it. And I'm just like, this is unreal. Like, how does he plan for every situation? And how does one of these like, um, just, yeah, go for every situation. And it was just like, it's just that presence that he like holds over you and like you can feel him inside. You can see him work through other people. Like I've seen it like firsthand and it's just like, how did, like, how is that even possible? Like that's why he's like so awesome in my head. Um, it's like the stuff that shouldn't be possible is this stuff that shouldn't 
be easy. It's still not easy, but like that's where I kind of go like, you know what? I'm like, I've, I know I've gotten into the habit of trying to like force things to happen in my life, whether it be with like any aspect in my life. And I know I read, read the devotional every with my dad every night. It, like I know one of the times was sometimes you gotta like just kind of let go and let God do his work. And that's where I've been at because that was, um, at the time where our season was getting canceled, like probably within the first couple, like first week. And I read that and I was like, why is it so like, why is it such a coincidence that I just read this and this just happened? Like that's happened so many times. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I can't even imagine like what it's like, you know, if it's like that on here, like what's, what's it going to be like in heaven, you know? So that's just, that's what blows my mind yeah. about this whole thing. Um, so as you have become so invested in baseball and that's become a big part of your life, um, do you find that there's ever a struggle with your, I guess, I'm a baseball player. This is who I am versus I'm a follower of Christ and everything else lines up with that. Like, have you experienced that battle at all in, you know, somebody says, who are you? How do you start that? Like what, what leads that conversation for you? What has that been like? Uh, I would definitely, I mean, probably if you would have asked me like a couple of years ago, I would have said I'm a baseball player. That's what I do. Um, but now I feel like, no, I'm a, I'm a man of God and I play baseball on the side. You know, like there's, I, before, like part of my pregame routine that I was talking about earlier, I'll put, I'll pray three times before a game. I pray once between every inning. Like if you ever come see me pitch and you know, before each inning, I go, like I kind of kneel down behind the mound and I'll say a quick prayer and write my, like a couple of <clears throat> initials that mean a lot to me. But like I'll pray all the time and I'll make it known. Like I don't really care who sees anymore. And it's not just for show. Like I see a lot of guys in the big leagues that'll do that or something, like go behind the mound and write something there. But like, no, it means something to me now. It's not just because I want to look cool or I want to be different like that. And I, I'm not afraid to like make it known anymore. And I definitely would say rather than a baseball player anymore, like I'm, I am a man of God. I, I am a child of Christ, like all this stuff first. And then I go, yeah, baseball's on the side. It's just kind of what I do. Um, I only have one last question on this. Jake, do you have anything else that you are curious about? Uh, now that you put me on the spot, not really. <laughs> I put you on the spot like this every time. <laughs> this isn't new. Okay, I can probably. Okay, I think I have a few. Okay. Um, my turn, Rigors. Yours. Okay. So, um, you brought up a quick second, or you brought up um, Green Oak Ranch and stuff like that. Um, I always like like to ask a few questions of the people who go. Uh, kind of. What what did that mean to you, like, your first time going – not your first time, but, like, going to Green Oak Ranch and, like, the impact it has on you? Like, what what's so important that you keep going kind of thing? Uh, the community. I love staying in touch with that community. You know, we uh, – I don't know if I'd say thankfully got Bomber there a couple of years ago. I don't – I'm still trying to figure that out if, I, if I'm thankful for that. Um, <laughs> Ouch! That's, that's <laughs> no, he just cool. adds another body for when we go, like play basketball or something. So that's <laughs> really all it's good for. Um, 
No, but uh, it's definitely the community. I get to stay in touch with all those people I kind of grew up with and family friends with my whole life. And then the main thing that keeps me going back is I swear, um, cause I'm, I'm probably not, I'm, I'm probably well known throughout the camp. I'd say like we, I'm, I've been going for 12 years, 13 years, you know, but it's the, it's the kids that you can touch by the end of the week. And you're just like, they, they start coming up to you and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me like the last couple of years. And I was like, that has never happened to me before. And so, yeah, sometimes I don't have the answer to the right questions, whatever. But it is so cool to see, like, the, for example, like the last night at the cross and Phil asks us if anybody's going through anything. And you get all these little kids that are saying, like, all their life problems. And you're like, why is that happening to such an innocent, like, eight-year-old, you know? It's like, wow, like, I could be going through so much worse and, like, these kids have it like this. And it's awesome that they kind of turn to God at such a young age. And it's just really cool to see, like, because I make it my goal to, like, try to do that for this kid for the kids that we can try to be as involved as I can and so that's just kind of what draws me back every time is like that's the opportunity I get I get to be with a new kid every week or I get to touch a new kid every week very good that ends my question <laughs> all right then we'll get you out of here with this last one what is a verse or bible study that you can always just for yourself that you can always fall back on for support for encouragement for wisdom like is there one is there a couple that just like have always stood out to you that that always help lift you up no matter the situation i always write it on every hat i get for baseball it's and it's even on my glove i got it embroidered on my glove this year joshua one nine uh that has kind of been it probably started as, oh my gosh, it has my name in a verse. And so I'm just going <laughs> to like the verse. But, uh, I have grown to kind of go or like grow through that verse and live my life through that verse. And there's another Romans five, three through four. The, that one's been more recent kind of with everything that I've like gone through. Um, it just kind of helps me like realize and when times are like bad or whatever, it's like I read those and it's like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I don't have to like worry about it. I don't have like, there's no point in really being sad or like down on anything or any given situation. But yeah, those are probably the two main verses that I will probably always have with me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, one quick memory I want to share that just came to mind uh, because we talked about Green Oak was last year when you tried to kick the top of the room and <laughs> and just I can't even explain it. What was I trying to kick? You, you were like so. You know how like the, the ledge of like a door or something, right? Yeah. Oh, I. You know that's just sometimes I try to prove myself, and I'm not like the young kid I am anymore that I can probably do all that stuff. And, you know, I'm liable to get hurt sometimes, and I still don't really like to believe it. You went to oh, kick man. with one leg, and then the other one just followed, and you just went straight to the floor. <laughs> that is that, that is what happened. That and it was, was like a dead silent moment, so just everyone just stopped and looked at you, and oh, man. Yeah, it I'll happened. Never, I'll never forget that. That. Was, that was pretty classic. That was great. Well, thank you. I forgot about that, so thank you for reminding me about that. So I could never forget that. <laughs> It just permanently uh, my well, mind. 
that's that's a great note to end on <laughs> we are very appreciative of you making time and letting us bother you with all of our baseball questions and whatnot thank you for being willing to open up and share and bless the listeners we appreciate it of course my pleasure thank you guys for having me i'm glad i finally got to be on here of course months later yeah exactly <laughs> It took a quarantine to do it, but hey, we got (laughs) technology, baby. Exactly. All right, Jake, get us out of here. Yeah. um, So thank you, humans, for listening. Um, This is from Bob's office. You can find us on all social medias at F R O M B O B S O F F I C E. That's from Bob's office. Um, Yeah. um, Stay safe. It's uh, April 14th. I'm Jake Mathis. I'm Jacob Bomber. And I am Josh. Thank you guys for having me once again. Good job.